You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Brothers Podcast. It's your favorite podcast of all time. It's between the two brothers, Sam and Brian Dostler. It's been a while, Sam. It's been over two months. January 13th was the last time that we talked about sports on this very podcast. That's a long time. We have a lot of these long breaks. That might be the longest, though. I don't know. That, that could be. It could be. But we are very happy to be able to broadcast you and bring our sports thoughts to you. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. Feel free to comment off our Twitter page, at Sport Brothers. Feel free to comment on our Facebook pages when we share it. If you want to text us, whatever, please let us know how we're doing. Uh, but, Sam, it's uh, it's going to be a busy week for us for this podcast, as it is spring break for, for myself at Eastern Connecticut University. Woo-woo! Yeah. You are going wild on your spring break. 21 years old, and you are living it up on spring break. Going crazy. Just play basketball at the YMCA, and I'm doing a podcast. What what better life could you ask and for? And you watch basketball all weekend. And I watch basketball all weekend. We'll, we will get to that, certainly this podcast. Uh, but first, Sam, we had our, our family birthday party yesterday. Woo! We did. Nice turkey dinner. It was. And what's even better about turkey dinner is the leftovers from the turkey dinner. And that'll be dinner tonight. And that will be dinner tonight. Get to uh, heat up over the stove with some gravy, some more cranberry sauce, and corn, mashed potatoes. And you got the boot. And I got the boot. It's been about 11, 12 years waiting. It's finally my possession. For those of you who don't know what the boot is. Which is everybody. Which is everybody. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a... A glass. It's a glass that looks like a boot. And when I slept over my grandma's slash aunt's house, Lo and Susan's house, uh, when I was about 12 or 13, I uh, started drinking that with root beer. And basically the boot, the way it's it's designed is when it's about halfway or so, when it gets to a certain area, when you drink it and you pour it back down, it bubbles up and gets right in your face. And I loved it. I was, like, ecstatic by it. So my aunt will give it to you on her 21st birthday. Yesterday she did. Scared me a little bit, Sam. Played a great prank. Now she played a fantastic prank. She brought two boxes, and we're both Mars birthdays. I just turned twenty-five. <clears throat> Unfortunately, rent I can rent, rent the car, but I'm, I'm I'm really getting old now. Um, so brings two boxes. Think one of them. All right, figure something small for me. She's gotten me Snickerdoodles from uh, Sadler's the last few years, so I thought something in there. So she goes and she brings the first box to Brian yesterday, and she drops it. And you just hear clanking glass. And pretty much everyone in the room, with the exception of our aunt and Uncle Kyle and Mary, were not privy of this prank. So everyone thought the boot broke. And I, I, I my, my thoughts were just like, oh, my God, this did not happen. Because, I mean, it was in a box. I could tell there was, like, newspaper. There was, there was something there. And it was like she only dropped it, like, a couple inches, but she got me. But uh, it was broken glass, but it was planned, obviously. And, and then, then Brian was about to open it right on the couch. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see I wanted to see the remains. I didn't, I didn't know if there was another one, and sure enough, there was. Uh, but on today's podcast, Sam, it's all basketball. Can we get the elephant out of the room first? What's the elephant out of the room? The most predictable storyline of the 2015-2016 yeah. season. Ben Simmons declaring for the draft. All right, we're done with that. Now we can talk about do stuff you think that's he's, not predictable. Do you think he's a fur... Uh, uh, a, a for sure, a first shire, first overall pick. <sighs> I don't think he is. Anymore. I don't think he. Is. I think Buddy Heald has something to say Buddy about Heald, that. Buddy Heald, yeah, Buddy Heald. I think Ingram. Um, I, I think some of it maybe depends on what transpires the next week or so in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I mean, he's 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 not going to drop further than what three, four. No, no. I mean. He's still, in, he's still in a good spot. There, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I'll make a little money. So, uh, yeah, so that's all done. Tons of March Madness, Sam. Arguably the greatest weekend of NCAA tournament history. There was a plethora of games. Before we break down the games, what is your take from the four days of madness? Don't look away. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> there are two instances where I was in the car driving uh, during – what was some of the better stretches, the Purdue game against Little Rock, Arkansas, and then I was driving home um, 
after I had actually gone up to watch some games with a buddy, and I was going to spend the night, just because why drive back at 1 in the morning, then I got a phone call finding out I was I had tickets to the second round games up in Providence um, from another buddy. But anyways, you, you couldn't look away. If, no, you really If you couldn't. were not in front of the TV for 45 minutes, you were going to miss something. Yeah. And then the exactly. capper last night with the – of course, the Northern Iowa game, and Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game, but the Wisconsin-Xavier game, <sighs> bronson Canaan, Woo! Two big threes with Wisconsin 13 seconds. March, baby. Wisconsin in March. And then the Cappers, Cincinnati, or excuse me, St. Joe's that versus Oregon. Yeah. Or, Oregon had to come back down, uh, down seven with four minutes to go or so. Yeah. And, you know, that's the first time I've really watched Oregon this year. I'm not, yeah. not going to deny See, the fact that I had. It's just they're, they're on so late, you know. It's, See, people and people at school and even people at home when when they talk when they talk about Oregon, they say I, I don't believe in them. And I go, what are you talking about? You don't believe in them? I go, just because you haven't seen a team. I mean, because we've seen a ton of you know Michigan State's and Oklahoma's Kansas, and Kansas, um, UNC. Like you're exposed to those players. You know some guys. You know, before this weekend, I couldn't tell you one player on, on the Oregon team. I, now I know guys like Dylan Brooks. But just because you don't see them play right. doesn't well, mean just, that they're not an established it. team. We don't watch a ton of Arizona basketball. No. But I had Arizona in some instances as a Sweet 16 team just because, you know, you don't watch them. But they're always good. They're always there. If they're going to be picked as a number one seed, they're good. Yeah. They're very good. You know, and, and if they lost, okay, maybe they should have been a two, but you could argue Michigan State could have been a one, and they lost in the first round. Did so. you think that Michigan State should have been a one? <sighs> Probably. I disagree. Because maybe. I don't know. Because cause you There's compare, such a fine line. Because you compare Michigan State and Oregon, and Michigan State and I'm Oregon. I'm not, not over Oregon, if anyone over Virginia. Okay. Because, because a lot of people are comparing them to Oregon. Michigan State and Oregon, they both won their conference tournament, but Oregon won the regular that's season. That's the difference. And Michigan State didn't. That's Michigan the, that's State the difference. didn't and then won. And Virginia, the only reason I say it is because they didn't win the regular season and they didn't win the conference tournament. Yeah. So, but you can't, I, I can't really fault any of the, none of the, there's really, I mean, other than maybe Monmouth getting in over Syracuse or Tulsa or something like that, uh, for the most part. You know, I, I agree. I was because I did my research after after the, co- the committee and everything was displayed on on CBS, and I go, you know, with with Louisville not in this year, with SMU not in you this lost, year, there's going there's yeah. going to be two undeserving teams in a lot of people's opinions in the tournament, and Syracuse and Tulsa are and, one of them, and you know, two it, of them. it it comes and goes. There was you know there there was a year where Syracuse. This was probably about 10 years ago now, and I don't remember the exact record anymore for Syracuse. But they finished fifth in the Big East regular season. This was during, you know, rough and tumble Big East years back in the mid-2000s. They finished fifth. They had over 20 wins, and they didn't get in. So, I mean, it... It it can go both You can look at it as Monmouth doesn't have as many opportunities to get it, but I don't know. I think a lot of it also has to do is that Bayheim wasn't there for the nine games, and they yeah. played a little bit better. I mean, they weren't playing fantastic basketball with Bayheim, and they did lose in the first round, the quarterfinals of the of the ACC tournament. But they they made a heck of a comeback in that game, and that was a game that could have gone either way. Still, I mean, they didn't come out with with the victory. Uh, my no. my take in this one, Sam, is all the upsets: Stephen F. Austin, Northern Iowa, Middle Tennessee State, yeah, all those yeah, all those teams making those big upsets. Yet we still have. 16 perennial powers up there. I mean, there, there's no, there's no, I mean, you got Gonzaga and Syracuse. Those are your two double digit seeds, but those are teams that are always there. I mean, those are two perennial teams. Yeah. Gonzaga, they were in the elite, elite eight last year. Syracuse, of course, won the national championship in 2003. They're always there. And then everybody else, I mean, Miami, Florida, I, I mean, North it, Carolina. I mean, all four number one seeds well, made to the second weekend for the first time since I mean, 2012. And it, really, it, did pretty much stay to form as you as you look at things. Um, Kansas is playing Maryland the five. I mean, Maryland's a, but that's pretty much staying to form. You know, then you got the two three matchup between Miami and Villanova. In the West, it's perfectly formed. Oregon, Duke, Texas A and M, Oklahoma. We'll get more into how A and M got there to keep it that perfect form. Um, same thing up in the East. You have North Carolina and Indiana. Indiana five. Those four or five games can go either way. I consider that pretty much staying to form. Uh, 
the six seven matchup, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, I don't think you know, neither team is as good as they've been in the past, but there are those schools are teams that, have been that there. just find I mean, ways to to get it done. I really like that Xavier team this year, though. I mean, Man, I really liked them. Um, but really, the only exception is is Gonzaga versus Syracuse. Gonzaga Syracuse, and like you said, those are teams that are always there. I mean, it's it's just incredible. I mean, it shakes out that way every year. I mean, it looked like SF Austin was gonna be able to move on. They should have. They really should have. Look, northern team that should have was Northern Iowa. Yeah. They didn't. But, but even like Northern Iowa, they're a team that when they get in, they win a game pretty much yeah. every time they're in. Yeah. E- even if if Northern Iowa gets there, it's the script not, is still the same. It's if Wichita State gets in, the script is still the same. Like it's still the same teams. It's it's not a George Mason in there. It's it's not. It's it, it's it's not a team like a, a Florida Gulf Coast. It's you know it's not like oh you guys. You know. Now, what's your thought? I heard some people saying the Middle Tennessee's uh, win over Michigan State was the biggest upset in tournament history. I still, I, maybe it's because I'm a UConn fan, and we're UConn fans, but I still think it's UConn George Mason just because of where it happened in the tournament. Now, obviously, it's a big game either way in the conference, in the, in the NCAA tournament, but in the Elite Eight, that's where the that's I mean, where that's get, where the Patriots beat to the get Huskies to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that, there's a big difference between and UConn was they were that was they had six guys drafted off yeah. that team. Michigan State isn't you know they're gonna have, you know Denzel Valentine's a guy who could play in the NBA. They got some guys who could play in the NBA, but I mean that UConn team that lost to George Mason, Rudy, Rudy Gay, Gay, Josh Boone, Marcus Williams, Hilton Armstrong, all first round draft picks. Rashad Anderson and Denham Brown they got drafted uh, later on. Off that team, Jeff Adrian was on that team, played for a long time in the NBA. I still think that's the biggest one of all uh, in the history of the tournament. Let's go to the Texas and Northern Iowa game, Sam. <laughs> you can't even do that. The why? Like you can't make a comeback like that. There. I mean, the the Aggies they overcome a twelve point deficit in thirty five seconds. Where does this rank in greatest comebacks in sports history? I'm gonna look at it from the other way, and I was watching it. With our with our father last night, and I said to him, "That's the worst loss I've ever seen." Yeah, I'd rather lose by twenty five than lose that way. That's I'd, I'd the rather worst loss that I would rather be Iowa this morning than to be Northern Iowa. Yeah, and and I, I the, the thought pro you know I was watching the game, and you saw Matt Bohannon get hurt. Yep, leave the game, and you said it was cramps. Was, that's that's what I heard. It was cramps. And you know they go, oh, he's as in there. In, he the announcers go. And great job by them saying, this is something to watch. He's their inbounder. Yep. But you're sitting there and you're like, well, it's, you know, it's a, tw- a double-digit lead with like a minute 15 left. So, you know. What Division One player can't get the ball? You know, like it's still a 12-point lead, 11-point yeah. lead. They're, they're, they're going to hang on. They're yeah. going to win. I mean, I just hope he can play next week. Yeah. So I eventually – I actually left the room for Did like you? two minutes to get a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and I walk back in, and I see them pull within six, and I go, to, I was like, this game's still going? It was unbelievable. It was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, when you compare these to greatest comebacks, uh, Duke, they trailed Maryland by 22 in the first half in the 2001 Final Four. They came back and won that game. I mean, of course, then you got to put in Reggie Miller scoring eight points in 18.7 Duke had seconds. a comeback against Maryland the year yep. they won the national championship in the regular season. Mm-hmm where they came back from 10 down with about a minute left. Tracy McGrady, 13 points in 33 seconds. But uh, this is the largest last-minute deficit in college basketball history to overcome by the Aggies. I mean, it, and and, their, and head coach Ben Jacobson, he was telling his guys, remember, Sam, the Aggies were scoring, right? So what can you do after – what can the inbounder do after he scores? He can run the baseline. Run the baseline. They Didn't do it once. No. Didn't do it once. And 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 – Northern Iowa was consistently trapped in the corner in the baseline, or they were on on the sidelines right in front of, I believe it was the Aggies bench. Yeah, it was the yeah. Aggies bench right there. You know, tough places to get the ball in. And well, that trap by Texas A&M uh, right at the end there when when Wes Washburn turned it over, and that was a great trap. Yeah, they could have called the travel. They could have called some bumps. No timeouts for for the Panthers at all in these thirty five seconds. But on top of this, seconds. Brian, they get within three. With what I think it was nineteen point six seconds, the clock was stopped, and they threw that long yeah. pass, and they scored on the dunk. Yeah, so they're up five with now 
what well, I think what seventeen point six yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. I mean, maybe maybe you dribble it out, but you gotta you take the two points, go up by two possessions. Now, I did think it was a soft call when the uh, yeah on that layup. Uh, on, on Carrasso's layup. Yeah, Carrasso's layup. It was Jesperson fouled yeah, him. And I, His hands were straight up. He was back. That he was a soft call, yeah. and, and that's something that I don't think is getting enough play today. I, do, I don't think you blow the whistle there. Yeah. You don't blow the whistle there. The other side is Jesperson just get out of the way. And he like was, just, though. I don't, and, he he I barely mean, touched well, him. Well, I mean, Carrasso did kind of lead into him to, to get that foul, but, I mean, just like I didn't like two. that whistle. I did not like that whistle one bit. It's just unbelievable. Uh, in in those twelve points, Daniel House he had five points, and he didn't score until five minutes no. left in the game. And he's he's, he's a, go, a stud. go-to player. I like him a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, how about Evan Gilder? He starts the rally by getting the first bucket on offensive rebound. It was a miss by House. He gets the offensive rebound, cleans it up, and then he's the one that steals the ball with three seconds left and lays it in to tie the game up. I mean, and there were a lot of people that left early. Can you imagine this CCM? First, before you go down that road too far, <sighs> didn't it feel like you're talking about that final play? Yeah, I felt like Washburn was tied up in that corner forever. Yes. I felt like I was like, like I had a full conversation going yeah. about the situation. I was like, is he traveling? Is he felt like it was felt like it went on like four seconds? I don't know, three seconds. It just felt like forever that he was in that corner. Poor kid. God, poor Northern Iowa. I mean, just in. <sighs> I mean, did you? I mean, the players—they got off the court pretty quickly, but um, the fans—they were showing them uh, after the game. And you do have to give Northern Iowa a lot of credit after falling apart there. Because in overtime they played in hard. that first they, overtime, and, yeah. they could have won again. Yeah. If it was, I don't remember the who took the the wild shot like with, Jesperson. Yeah, it's like he pulled the Roscoe Smith. Yeah, it was like what do you? He launched it with like three and a half seconds left. Carrasso had a chance to to hit it. Hit I know the rebound. I mean, and it that just, almost went in. It did. Can you, can you imagine that? Oh God! <sighs> but I mean, I could. And they shot it early when it was tied at the end of regulation yeah. too. I think it was Washburn who heaved it at the end mm-hmm. of regulation. He caught it with like one point five, and not that he could have got much closer, but he could have taken a dribble and at least got his momentum going in the right direction. But to to get back to the point with the the people even, I actually, I know one of the people who left early. Do you? Yeah. Uh, Mike Leslie, I interned for him up at um, ABC 40 in Springfield. He was working there as media, um, covering the event for WFF, WFAA in Dallas. And <clears throat> he wasn't covering the A&M game. And he had a three-hour drive back. He'd been there all day. So he packed up, went to the top, watched, and was like, all right, it's over. Because he posted an, uh, a uh, story about it. So he left. Got to his car, not from the area, so he didn't know any stations, so kind of just left it on what it was on in the radio for yep, a while. Yep. <clears throat> Eventually said, oh, you know, eh, I'll listen to the other games while I'm driving home. Flips to the game on the radio, and the 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 studio people are like, well, we're going to send you back to Oklahoma City. Unbelievable finish. And he was just sitting there driving like, oh, you know, like, wow. oh, my God. Wow. But – I mean, there's one thing to be a member of the media and leave early like he was and to be a fan. I don't think it's excusable either I don't way. think you leave e- early either I, way, I Brian. I don't think you leave either but way. The, but I don't listen, think excuse. But listen, though, to my, my thought process here. If you're a member of the media, he doesn't have a tie to either of those teams. If you're a Texas A&M fan, that may, that's worse. You're, you're leaving on your team. I guess. I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying what he did was right. But when you're wearing your Texas A&M colors, you don't leave. No. We never leave games early. Never. Never. Even I, I don't remember the last time I left. I left UConn BYU football early. Well, <laughs> they were down about thirty-five. <laughs> you didn't think they were going to come back? No. You didn't have any hope. No. It was opening day, man. Yeah, it was. Did you get free pizza after the game? No. Darn. Uh, how about the Wisconsin Badgers team? We talked about it earlier. A season where they started 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, They beat Michigan State. It was really their turning point of the season. Uh, before that, they were on a three-game losing streak. They beat the Spartans at home. It sparks a seven-game winning streak, including 10 out of 11. Uh, but head coaching, Bo, Bo Ryan retires on December 16th. Greg Gard comes in. Some interesting stories circulating around Bo Ryan. Now. Yeah. Not to go down that path mm-hmm. during this discussion, but... 
But talking about a, a huge turnaround, but Bronson Kane, we talked about earlier, ties the game at 63, gets the ball back in the corner. Not an easy shot there. He knew it was in. Oh, yeah. He, he did. But they're back They're back in the second weekend. They make it to the National Championship game last year, and this team that seems like, again, a few months ago had no shot, they're in yet another Sweet 16. It's it's. I mean, and the, I mean, they won an ugly, ugly, ugly game against Pitt to get there, and they they got some players though. I mean, Bronson Canning, he's been there. I think they're going to beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame also coming off a, a heck of a win. Uh, Rex it, Fugler. It's amazing. Neither of these teams, Wisconsin and Notre Dame, both of them so so good last year. They're not even close to what they were last no. year. I mean, they're solid teams. But that's this year in college basketball, isn't it? Where you there's so much parity. Where there's just a ton of parity. I, I still think Kansas and North Carolina have separated themselves a little bit of late. But I mean, look at all these upsets. But <sighs> Rex Fugler hasn't scored since March 5th in four games, and he's on the floor in crunch time, last second tipping. And Sam, you watched the replay. He knew what he was doing there. He put yeah, some little English on. Did. He turned it a little bit. He knew what he was doing. Used to play volleyball. That's that must, the thing. That must have helped. That, I'm sure it did. I mean, because when you play volleyball, you're always putting a little extra spin, guiding the basketball. How about the question? That's at, why you play multiple sports. There you go. Boys and girls. How, wow. That's prime example. From the 25-year-old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't. That played Division three baseball for a year. Uh, but still, like, how about multiple the, sports. How about the question that was asked afterwards? Did you hear it? Maybe. It was remind me. It was uh, where does this rank in your oh yeah greatest accomplishment in, in your career? No, I think it's number three. You know, I I play. I had a great. I think you have to ask it though, Brian, because you you just want that soundbite. I guess you know you want the you know you're going to get a generic, excited, happy, positive soundbite. I guess. I suppose. How many questions can you really ask him? That's true. I mean, he took two shots in the game. He was one for two. I mean, the reporter probably had to get the guy, the kid's name before he. Probably. Eh, that's that's probably why they uh, interviewed. Um, yeah, because we were talking about that. Because uh, they, they interviewed Augustine, yeah, Augustine and Bray. Yeah, and then they came back with with Fluxer because we were just like, because they probably had to get. We should probably like. I think it was Jamie Maglio was doing those games. It's like Rex, who was probably like, what, you know, who? what, 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 what's the name? Got it. Okay, say that again. Okay, okay. What, what number is he? What does he look like? Yeah, <laughs> I honestly, I think that's what it was. Really could have been, certainly. Uh, and then how about Indiana versus Kentucky? I mean, Sam Burgess rallied through all these games. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what really happened. You didn't get a chance to really see much of the Indiana Kentucky games. You could, that was really the only game that you missed. Actually, did you watch it on on? I was working Dad's? on the way home. Oh, were you? Okay. But uh, we were listening to it, and it sounded, you know, I wasn't really listening. Dad was listening, because um, <clears throat> me and my dad, we actually, I have a buddy who's the uh, Chris Vincent, director of basketball operations for uh, for Yale, and he calls me at about ten o'clock on Friday night, and he calls me periodically just to kind of talk about, you know, whatever, you know, sitting there in his hotel room. Uh, not doing anything. So I figured it was just one of those call, talk for 15 minutes. So we're talking for a couple minutes. He goes, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I don't know. I got some work. Watch basketball. He's like, you want to go? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how many can you get? He's like, how many do you need? I was like, two. He's like, all right. Uh, so I, was, I called my dad. He's like, He's like, I need to get this in because he he controls. He has the final list and then sends it in. So he's like, just you got to let me know within like 15 minutes because I got to submit this. <clears throat> so I called home. I was like, Dad, you want to go? He's like, Yep. Called back and went to the uh, Wichita State Miami game. Miami, they are big. They're big boys. How impressive there. is Rodriguez? He's an impressive guy. Jeff Foot, former Springfield Armor great, graduate assistant on the uh, Miami bench, and. Uh, the the Duke Yale game, boy. <clears throat> if Yale didn't have that ten minute stretch, they played with them the first ten minutes of the game, and they played with them obviously the entire second half. They had that one ten minute stretch, the latter portion of the first half, where Grayson Allen just went off. But I'll tell you, the Dunkin' Donuts Center when Yale got within seven, I don't know if I've ever heard a basketball arena louder. Louder than the conference tournament for, for UConn last year. Yeah. Really. Yeah. How many people were there? Eleven thousand. 
And it's such a great place. I know you've never been there. And Dad said it to me today. He's like, you know, we got to make it an annual Big East trip every year up to the dunk. I was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> to. I was just like, because it was last night, actually, and we were just sitting. In the, I was sitting in the living room. He had just gone out. And it was like kind of unprompted. I was like, okay, I can get on board with that. <laughs> but We, it's, we it's, can deal. It's a great place to watch basketball. Plus, we were four rows up. That always helps. <laughs> so, but it's it's a great place, great environment in there, and it's one of those games where there were a ton of Yale fans, and it was great to sit in the family and friends section, sitting right next to Yale star Justin Sears' parents. Uh, so it's a cool experience there. But then you know how it is, Brian. One, everyone hates Duke. Yep. Uh, the Miami fans that were there obviously don't like Duke. Same conference. And then there's a ton of Providence fans there, and you're going to obviously latch on to the New England team. Yeah. I mean, that's just... So was it a true road game? Did it feel like a true road game for Duke? When Yale was making their run and in it, it was a true road game for Duke. Yeah. I mean, there were... You know, there's always a lot of Duke fans. But of the 11,000 and change there, I'd say probably about 8,500 was rooting for Yale. We're rooting for Yale. We're rooting for Yale. You, so how how much were you actually rooting? Like, were, were you getting to as much as a UConn game during I that was, run? Mm, yes and no. Did you get? Did you like get a? Did you jump up in a fist pump? Or? I did some fist pumps. Yeah. Um. You had the Yale sweatshirt on. I did have the Yale sweatshirt on. But I also and I'd gone to a few games this year. This was my third game this year. So you knew you knew the players. So I knew the players, and I'd been following along because of my buddy. Uh, Chris and so I I was invested. It wasn't like I was just showing up, not having watched. But so I knew the players, knew the whole storyline. Watched the game obviously on uh, Thursday. But there's also the feeling of especially sitting next to someone like the Searses, who this kid he's gonna he's like the best player that Yale's ever had. Yeah. So I don't necessarily feel like I can just yeah go all just kind of out of respect for them and yeah. also out of the. You know, this guy's been through the battle, so I can't be like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was into it. Mm-hmm. I was cheering. But there's that certain sense that fine of, line. you know, not quite UConn-esque. Yeah. This is the Sports Brothers Podcast with Sam and Brian Dostler here on this March 21st. Is today the first day of spring or was yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday, and it snowed last night, but it's pretty much all it's gone. It's all gone. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, a podcast today. We will have another one at the end of the week, and then we also be doing a podcast for a Major League Baseball preview, but we will put that up closer to when the regular season actually starts since I will be away at school. Sam, a couple weeks ago, we were fortunate enough to work the American Athletic Women's Basketball Conference Tournament at the Mohegan Sun, working with Haley Out and Mark Hodgkin. We were doing some video uh, editing, uh, some highlights, and you did a lot of packages with interviews and, and some B-roll of of highlights of of the games. It was a fun experience. Yeah, it was. It's uh, cool to kind of be part of something that big, you know? Um, yeah. It's a well-oiled machine. I mean, we stepped right in. and Free food. Free food. That's always nice. It, it's just, I like, it's, it's exciting to be part of something. That's on national television. Yeah, and, I mean, and nothing against Eastern Connecticut, Central, but it's just, it's a different feel. Uh, and what? Wow, just throwing Eastern under the bus. Even I said there. Central Connecticut. So? I'm just saying, it's wow. just, it's a different atmosphere. It's a bigger atmosphere. Let me tell you, I am very passionate about my Eastern sports. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying that there's a different level of professionalism. As far as just... We hold ourselves very I'm not professional. saying you're not professional. We wear shirt and tie during basketball. You I'm have not, to wear I, polo and I'm khakis not saying for you're games. Not. I'm just telling you, it's a it's a different atmosphere when you're working at something that big. All right, I know what you're talking about, but you're just you're, dis, dis and Eastern. I'm, I said Central, uh, too. Well, yeah, but... I'm a warrior. You're not really a blue. De- You're not a Central Connecticut Blue Devil. I've been a Blue Devil for my entire. That's well, why I said a Central life. Connecticut Blue Devil. It's different. Once a Blue Devil, always a, always blue, a blue Devil. devil. Credit to John Zenick on that one, uh, Sam. And, and we talked about, or well, let's talk about uh, Middle Tennessee State over Michigan State. The fact that you need to know about this game, if you don't already know, is that the Blue Raiders. Yes, that's their 
nickname, if you didn't know that beforehand, the Blue Raiders, they never trailed in this game. It's amazing. Cause I didn't watch the beginning of the game. <clears throat> I don't remember, but there was some game that was close that was on. I mean, they were up 15-2. to two Yeah, and I Tennessee remember State. just looking at the, you know, obviously you see the score bugs up at the top, and I was like, I don't know, it was like 7 to nothing. Then I was like, 15-2. to two. I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, there's a couple times in games like that where Michigan State, they tied it, and you're like, they, I think they tied it with like seven and a half minutes to go at one point. And you're thinking, all right. And you're like, okay, okay. you know. Playtime's over. They'll, they'll end up winning by eight. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, they go up by six, it'll get back down to two, but they'll pull away and they'll win by eight. But no, I mean, got to tip your hat to uh, Middle, Tennessee Middle Tennessee State had a answer for they a did. free Michigan State run. And that was a high-level game, yes. too. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, Michigan State maybe a little asleep at the beginning, but it's not like they weren't, I mean, they weren't, they just got beat. It's come to the point now, Sam, where, you have to. I know this was a two fifteen game, but obviously there was tons of upsets on on Thursday on the first day. We saw two twelve seeds beat a five seed. We saw Yale take down Baylor, and who was the other one? We saw Arkansas Little Rock come back and beat Purdue. It's come to the point where if when you're filling your bracket, and folks take this advice for next year's bracket and moving forward for at least the next couple of years because that's been the trend. It's almost as dumb as not taking a, a, at least one or two one seats to the Final Four if you don't take a 12 or a 5. you got to do it because 23 of the last 26 years, there has been a, at least one 12 beating a 5. And now you add on a, a couple 13s and, and a 14. Now, I mean, a 15 is very, very rare. It's only I didn't happened take a 12 times. this year. I didn't take a 12 either. And, and, and as soon as I started watching the games, I was like, why did I not take a 12 over a 5? I don't know. I mean, you, you look at it though, Brian. And I know because you see, you see Arkansas but, Little Rock, and you know nothing about. But you them. look at that one though, Brian. Purdue choked that one away. I know. The but, only one that I really considered taking was which one was it? Was it Yale over Baylor? No, I just thought I thought Baylor would be too good inside for Yale. Well, they certainly weren't. How about no, the, they the, weren't the rebounding. Um, I didn't really feel confident in any five twelves this year. But either way, you got to do it. I know. Like you, you just. I got... really didn't take many upsets. I took Northern Iowa. Oh, it's it's getting to that point. I mean, it's Sam. Let me ask you this: Is it just that the talent has gotten better overall in college basketball in the last ten fifteen years, where where maybe in the past, I don't know where. It, are the are the better players just better than they were in the past? So then those the mid major stars, you know, they I get they a, get overshadowed because it's, it's, every year we get these players, we get the Makai Masons of the world, we get the we get the Thomas Walkups of the world, we we get those players. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of the fact that some of the bigger teams, better time, the bigger name teams, don't have their star players stay until their juniors or seniors. I think that's a big part of it. While you have the teams that pull these upsets, a lot of the kids are juniors or seniors, so they've been through the battles. And I, I think there's more good players now, too. I really do. And I think the pool of players has grown, where you're seeing a, a whole heck of a lot more international players. And they're not all necessarily going to that big-name school. You'll see international players pop up on these other teams and they can be difference makers. I think that's a big part of it too, the international aspect <clears throat> um adding to that. You just think I don't know, that's like Sabonis for for Gonzaga, Gonzaga, you know? Because I mean, if Stephen F Austin completes the upset over Notre Dame, and I think they're really good. Thomas Walkup is the talk of the nation. He's he, really good. Very, very good. I mean, if they should have won that game, they they really should have. And I think I mean, they might have been in a, in a lead eight team going up against Wisconsin if they, they, had, they if they had won. Walk up would be the talk of the town. He absolutely would. Um, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of there's obviously there's a lot of one and dones. But this year there's also a lot of players, a lot of seniors. I mean, you look down the list of the teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, you look at Villanova and Ryan Archidinacchio. You look at Oklahoma and, of course, Buddy Buddy Heal, North Carolina. I mean, Bryce Johnson and Marcus Page. Michigan State got bounced, but Denzel Valentine, Syracuse, and Trevor Cooney. Um, 
Virginia and Malcolm Brogdon, Anthony Gale, and a lot of those guys, it's it's nice to see that they are staying because look how great the product is. I mean, all all the guys that uh, we, we've kind of mentioned already, Thomas Walkup, he's a senior. Obviously, I mean, a player from Stephen F. Austin isn't going to go early, but this is – I mean, he's a three-time Southland player of the year. He knows how to ball. Yeah. Like, he knows how to score the yeah. basketball. Josh Hagens scored 31 points against Purdue, hit the big shot. He's a senior. I mean, the, really, the only exception, Makai Mason. He's only a sophomore. Yeah, and he's a guy who got some big time looks for yeah. a while. Very interesting read by by SI. Uh, if you don't follow Matt Norlander on Twitter, he's or either Matt Norlander or Brian Hamilton, one of the two. Very very good guys to follow if you like college hoops. Read an article on Makai Mason. This is a uh, a player where grew up with his dad, uh, and he his father was in was in the Marines. So obviously tough guy and stuff like that and there was one And actually dad talked to him. Did he? At uh the first game we went to. At, at, at Yale, Yale game. against yeah. NJIT. So uh really good guy. Yeah. So Makai Mason when he was younger there was one time where he was playing at, at the park wherever that was and a kid pulled the knife at at the park. So Makai runs home and and tells tells mom and dad. Mr. Mason brings Micaiah back to the park that same day and says you're gonna play. So that like that's where his kind of toughness is. He's a tough kid. He 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 was pulled out of the AAU circuit to to I probably to study more on academics when he's at Yale. I mean this this was a player that And that's was, when his 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 stock for lack of a better word uh, as far as according to the recruiting according to goes. the article his his recruiting grade went from down from eighty nine to a sixty seven when he was taken out of that. Taking out the AAU, which circuit. I think is a n- different conversation for a different time about the AAU circuit in this country. But I mean, teens very early on. I mean, th- this very well, early on Coach it was Baylor, Duke. They were looking at this kid. Mike Shushevsky was looking at him, and then he ended up recruiting a guy by the name of Tyus Jones in that same recruiting class. Yeah. So I mean, but that shows how good the talent is. I mean, yeah. Kyle Mason, if if, he, if he's on Duke, I mean, there's no reason why we can't say that he could perform at a high level. Like a Tyus Jones because he'd be a good he player on Duke. He'd be a good, he'd be a great player on Duke. I mean, thirty-one points against. You know, Baylor. maybe he's not your the go-to guy like he is on Yale, but he's gonna, he's probably a double-digit scorer at Duke. He's gonna do a great job running the point. Duke did a fantastic job on him on Saturday. They they had people everywhere that he went, and uh, they just, they made it difficult for him. Um, but he's gonna be he's definitely a guy to watch moving forward. Just a sophomore at Yale. Um, I mean, he's going to say all four years. So, I mean, Sears is gone. Sears, uh, Brendan Sherrod. They're losing a, a handful of guys. But when you have a guy like Makai Mason, who's as good as he is, um, but what, you're what, still going to win some games. Watch out for Harvard next year. What's uh, Chambers will be back. And they, they got a great recruiting they got, class, like, they, like top ten. They got a – They got. I think they have one um, – not even towns American, but top 100, maybe top 50 guy that's coming in. The recruiting class is top 10 in the country. Yeah, I think really? so. Wow, definitely top 15. That's that's unbelievable for an Ivy League school. Yeah, that's man, that's that's tough. Um, so hey, maybe they'll be a 12 seed next year. Maybe they'll be higher. I mean, if who can, how how high can it can a team like Harvard go if they go undefeated in the regular season? Where can they be seated? They can get up there. I mean, think about it. St. Joe's when they were so good with uh, Delonte West and Jameer Nelson. Atlantic 10 is a little bit better than, than the Ivy The Ivy's pretty guy. good, Bri. Yeah, but they don't have a conference tournament. That help. That hurts. Yeah, well, they're starting one. The next year? Yeah. Really? Yep. Wow. This was the uh, last year of not having one. That's that's good. I the mean, top, Just the top four teams. Okay. How come they don't do it? You got to study more? <laughs> like, I think they just – that's how they always did it. You know. Don't want it. We're the Ivy League. Yeah. It's kind of history. Uh, I like top four though, because then it doesn't you don't get the chance of the eighth place team getting in. You don't get the Holy Cross of the world yeah. in there, which it's great for the for for them, but you know for for the league though. Yeah, it's it's not it's probably not the best no. thing. Uh, we're about thirty nine minutes in this podcast, and we haven't talked about UConn, so let's talk about the Huskies. Now, what are oh, they going to do down low next year? Great question. That's that's before we can we just hop back on the Harvard thing okay. the Saunders kid we were talking about Chambers Chambers excuse me um, who I, I don't get what the Ivy League does with the fact like he had to drop out reapply to get back in for next year Sean Miller he was uh, he was injured for a year 
with uh, at, Cornell. at Cornell. So he had to transfer out and could be a grad student at UConn. Great pickup for UConn. But why? Why? I the rule has to change in the Ivy where you can do the five and four thing like everybody else. Yeah. Because Sean Miller, league, yeah. Because Sean Miller even said, you know, I wouldn't have left Cornell if I could play basketball yeah. here. Or Chambers for Harvard. I mean, he gets his four-year degree, plays his fifth year, and, and he gets a master's in something, you know, by staying the fifth year. At Harvard. At like, Harvard. What, like, what else? You know, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I think that's something that has to change as far as the Ivy League goes. Back to the Huskies. On Thursday of the conference tournament, the AAC, point eight seconds left, Jalen Adams saves their season. Do you think UConn gets in if that shot doesn't fall? I don't know. At that point, let's see. They finished with 25 wins, so they would have been what, uh, they would have had 21 wins, so they've been 21 and, and 11. I if Tulsa got in after getting blown out by Memphis, I have to imagine UConn would have gotten in over Tulsa. So it probably would have been the team playing Michigan in that play-in game. So. Almost like that matchup better though to be. I mean, I know different different confidence with with UConn if they lose that game than winning the championship, obviously. But uh, I figured they would have if they beat Michigan, they played Notre Dame. Um, really, I think they would match up pretty well with them. I mean, Notre Dame doesn't kill anyone on the offensive glass like a Kansas team does, or or even Colorado yeah. with uh, with Scott there. But hey, they gave us some memories that we'll remember for a long, long time, including Jalen Adams, big. Three-pointer. And, or, you know, they, they did about what I expected they would do. Yeah. I thought it would be a little closer against Kansas, but they, they stuck to kind of their MO this season where they have those 10-minute stretches where they, they just, just don't play basketball. They just can't hit anything. They kind of have some lapses on defense. And they haven't they hadn't seen a team like Kansas all year. No, not even close. I mean. A lot of teams haven't. They played, they played a very good Maryland team earlier in the year. Um that was a game where they were down 20 and cut it to two. Yeah. Or choose me to three, and three. then and then Ollie got the tuck. Uh, I mean, they played Gonzaga, who was highly ranked at the time. Uh, but obviously Gonzaga, not as good as they've been in the past. But um, I don't know. It was – I still think it was an underachieving year for this UConn team. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is a team that should have won at least three more games in the regular season. You do that. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a sixth seed in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, I think if they had clicked on all cylinders all year, they were a team that could have been a 4-5 seed in the tournament. Yeah. And a team that had the potential to def- – I definitely saw them as a second weekend team when the season started. They certainly have a lot of talent coming back and some incoming talent as well. El Turkey, Gilbert, McDonald's All-American. Terry Larrieri was who transferred from VCU. Um, Mamadou Diara, a top recruit as well, Vance Jackson. Uh, but you said, Sam, who's who's going to play down low? I mean, you you have Brima, you have uh, Enoch, Steve Enoch, um, but who else? You know, see, this this is where UConn has really struggled in recent years. They do have Zach Brown. Maybe Zach Brown will reclassify and come in next year. Uh, there were some rumors about that. I'd be just happy he comes on campus at this point. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting scenario with him going back to Miami and yeah, so hopefully he's in a UConn jersey. Um, it, it's going to be – Brima has to improve. He does. Brima has to he, – He has no offensive post moves. No. When when he when he puts his back to the basket on a one-on-one against somebody, he has no shot. No. And – Great I defensively. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're going to be – I think they're going to be fantastic on the perimeter, and they're going to win a lot of games because of that perimeter play. Uh, especially you're going to have Hamilton, who I think really started to click that he can be a go-to guy. Hopefully uh, he carries that into the next season. Although he struggled in the Kansas game. Uh, but just bigger, better at this point. Bigger, better, stronger defenders on him. Um, Rodney Purvis is oh, – some people are saying we're wondering if he's coming back. He is coming back. Yeah. There's there's no question about that. And he even said he was. I mean, I don't – he wouldn't be drafted if he left. Well, I, he can go as a grad student. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he Although, w- <laughs> I texted you about this. <laughs> I was listening on Sirius XM Radio to the college sports station uh, driving up to Providence the other day, the morning of the UConn-Kansas game. A UConn fan called in and said that the Lakers should draft Rodney Purvis because he would be the 
and he was not kidding at all. He would be the perfect replacement for Kobe Bryant. We'll let that soak over you for a moment. I woke up to that text. They also said he's the most athletic player in the nation, this guy. I woke up to that text on Saturday. Saturday, and I put my phone down in my bed. I was like, wow, that's a lot to take in very early in the morning. It's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, did, did Rodney Purvis, like, become God overnight? Like, did something happen? I hope so. Well, he didn't. I mean, he played well. He played well. He played well. You know, he's really – I mean, the thing is, he's come more of a primer shooter than anything. Yeah. I, he has such an awkward dribble and transition. He's got that high crossover bounce. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not a very tight dribble at all. No. Not at no. all. And, of course, a shout-out to the seniors, Sean Miller, Sterling Gibbs. Sterling Gibbs, I, I mean, he had his moments, but I think overall he was disappointed in But the thing jersey. is, he was forced into, because Jalen Adams wasn't quite ready to take over the reins completely, I think if you see Sterling Gibbs coming in, say, this year – it's a different situation because he's not a point guard. Yeah, that's And he true. was pressed into being a point guard, which kind of took away some of the things that, you know, he wasn't able to play off the ball as much as he would have liked. So maybe if that, you know, it's not, obviously not going to happen. But I think it changed his game a little bit. And, of course, the other two seniors, Phil Nolan and Omar Calhoun, both won the 2014 <clears throat> National Championship. Omar. Phil Phil was about the same all four years. Yeah, um, he got to get. I mean, he had some fantastic the the, boy, the game he played against Colorado in the first round. That's why they played in the second round because yeah. he shut down Scott. Yeah. Omar, big fans of him since his freshman year. The ups and downs, and he, I thought he was going to transfer. I did too. And gotta love the way he stuck with it. Had some big moments this year. Dial it up. Made a lot of dial ups. Um, he's one of those guys, he came in highly recruited, so I think at the end of the day, a disappointing four-year career for Omar Calhoun uh, with UConn, but never hung his head. Played hard whenever he was out there. And uh, When I look back at the career of Omar Calhoun and we talk about him 10 years from now, it's going to be as, he's, 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 he's a guy that I really enjoyed yeah. while he was with UConn. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I just laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We have a nice heartwarming send off for Omar and Phil just left out. But hey, Phil he started the national championship yeah. team. I mean there I mean he, he's obviously known for his defense because I mean we talk about heck, Brian but that can't. Hey man, he made a great catch on that pass from Daniel Hamilton he against did. Memphis and finished. Oh yeah. That was his best individual offensive moment of his career. And made the free throw. Omar Calhoun's biggest accomplishment, uh, three-pointer against Georgetown yep. his sophomore year. Freshman year. Freshman. Or excuse me, freshman year. Boy, if 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 that was like – say that was flipped and that was this year. Because, like, you know, we, we like we enjoyed Omar Calhoun obviously his freshman year, but, like, we really fell in love with him because everyone hated on him. But, if, if, yeah. but every time Omar scored, it was it was like – Omar! It's like, yeah! And, you know, like Mike Costantini and, and Nick Akinfori, they're obviously big UConn fans as well, but – they don't see the love uh, that we get that we get from Omar as them. So we had some. Remember when we were down there for one of the games? I think it was the Tulsa game. We were sitting down, and there were those people that were all on the Omar That's bandwagon. Right. That's right. Hit a couple threes. Yeah, they were like, yeah. Like, I think yeah. it was Tulsa, right? Yeah, it yeah. was. They um, all blended because we sit in the same seat. It's amazing, that isn't is it? Amazing. This is a quick little story. We go to a lot of UConn games, games at Gamble. So we always sit in our assigned seats for the first half. And then move on down in the second half. This year, we moved, I think maybe with the exception of the main game, the first one of the year, we moved to the same row, four rows up every time. Four seats, wide open, every single time. It's unbelievable. And the last game that we couldn't go to because we were both working at the American, our parents took our tickets, and they ended up in the same seats. So we want to thank. I went with we Kristen. Wa- we ended up in the same seats. Me and you ended up there like four times this year. We, I mean, it was un- it's crazy. We want to. Thank, I don't know who you season ticket holders are, but we thank, thank you for not you coming. For not coming, because they were taken. They we probably were on television at some point. And, and we sincerely say, don't come next year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We don't know who you are, but just just don't come. We love you so much. We never want to see you. Yes. It'd be awkward if we met them. Be like, what are you doing in our seats? I was on TV the other day. At the Yale game? Yeah, one of my friends, Chris Nasuti, texted me. He was like, are you on TV at the Yale game? And I just said, probably. 
If, if, the, if me and Spencer were talking about this, if we imagine if there was always a video camera on us during like during games or watching games, like like he was saying, because I I so want to see my reaction after Malcolm Butler's interception because he's a big Patriots yeah. fan. You know, like what what do you do? Like I'd love to see the my rea- I I told you, but I high stepped it when Adams hit that three pointer. I was standing in front of our fireplace, and he hit it, and I just yelled woo woo as I was high stepping it <laughs> into the living room or into the kitchen uh, dining room. Well, that's going to conclude for today's podcast. Actually, no, it's not. I have a I question. Lied. You have wait. You have a question? A something bro question? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought we weren't. So we're going to play something bro. I, I thought you were going to ask either way. Oh, well, I, I just thought quickly that. before we are we are we doing a preview of the next rounds or oh, yeah, we, let's let's talk a little bit. Well, are are we doing another show for that or what's the plan? Um. Well, we can do it. Can, are you free Thursday? Yeah, we can do it on Thursday. Morning. No, Thursday before the game. So. Listen back on Thursday for a preview of the Sweet 16 and moving forward. So, so we're going to cue the music? Yeah. All right, let's do it. It's time to stump the bro. Do we have any idea who's leading this? I know I won no, summer of 2015. You won that, yeah. We'll have Seven to. of five. And I, I still... think we're going to have a summer of 2016 to be able to put together something. Yeah, yeah. I'll go first. You ready? I guess so. There is one team that has made the Sweet 16 in five of the last six seasons. What school is it? I'm hoping you didn't see this email. I saw the email. You saw the email. On Wisconsin. Yeah. On Wisconsin. Man, I wasn't sure if you were part of the Russo email chain. Oh, I'm part of it. I'm part of it in four emails. I signed up. I did it for my school email, or three emails. I did it for my school email and then my two Yahoo accounts. I had a good list of teams, too. Duke, Kentucky, Notre Dame, or Wisconsin. Didn't even need to hear any of them. No. All right. So here's mine. Kevin Ollie is now 7-1 and one in NCAA tournament games. He won the first seven. Of course, his first six was in 2014 when they won the national championship and then the first round game in Colorado. How many games did it take for – Hall of Fame coach Jim Calhoun to lose his first NCAA tournament game. Your choices are 0, 1, 2, 3, or hasn't lost yet. 3. Wrong. 1. 1. In 1981, in his first in his first time at Northeastern, mm. defeat, the, the number 11-seeded Huskies defeated Fresno State in the first round, but then fell to Utah in the second round. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking of the year of the the Tate George shot. Actually, it would have been and and that was it my, would have been four. That exactly it would have been the that was game. that was my first that for you kind of you're exactly because right. Because they won the NIT in '88, they didn't make the tournament in '89, and then in '90 they made that run to the Elite Eight. Who did they lose to? Duke. Yeah, '79, '78. So it would have been the fourth game. Oh. Yeah. Good question. Oh, I, got, I got you there. Yeah. See, I, I thought of that. Like, I that, that wasn't even – I was like, huh, I, you know, Ollie's seven. How many times – how many games did it take for Coach Calhoun? How about Calhoun's moment on Sports Center oh, today? Oh, God. <laughs> he had this light, humorous moment. Yeah. It's like, so weird to see him, like, in such a good mood all the time. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> oh. I don't know, just oh, well. Jimmy C. All right. Good, for, good show back. Yeah, it was. Uh, next show will be Thursday. We will post it as soon as it's done. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we will have a Major League Baseball season preview. Mic drop. That's going to do it for today's podcast. You can listen to our podcast off the Nico Empire or off iTunes at the Sports Brothers Podcast. You can also listen off to uh, – well, you're already listening, so I don't know why I tell people all this. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be Thursday morning, and it's going to be – Next, or at some point before the regular season, well, the next time you hear from us, continue to listen to my show on the hour at the Clock Tower on WECS Radio 90.1. That's the station I am at, at Eastern Connecticut, Eastern Connecticut University. It's from 11 to 12 on Tuesday mornings with Damon Gray. And then on Thursdays from 1 to 2 with myself, Patrick Murtha, Spencer Davis, Jermaine Page, and sometimes Chad Wells. So that's going to do it for today. Have a great Monday. Rest up. You got a lot of more games to watch come towards the weekend.